this is Kimmy. This is Imran. And this is a not quite there episode. I think it's seven. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, apologies for the lateness. Um, hopefully by the time this comes out, you would have gotten our previous episode that we recorded in March and Kimmy decided to take her sweet ass fucking time to <laughs> edit. She took a sabbatical. Um, but you know what? It's fine. We're still in a pandemic and I choose me. I choose me and sometimes I have to put things in the back burner. But and that means she doesn't choose you people. She oh, chooses her. Don't say that. that. <laughs> don't say that. Yeah, you people being like the one person that's probably listening to us. Uh, well, technically, when you're addressing the people listening to your podcast, it's kind of weird, right? Because if you start a podcast and you're like, hey, everybody, but in actual fact, there's just one other person on the other end listening at that moment. Like, I've never listened to a podcast with a friend. You know what I mean? Mm. So, I mean, you should just be like, hey there, you. How are you today? Uh, but then that's maybe too intimate and a little bit like weird. Like uh, Mark Marin, the most recent one that I listened to, he's like, hey, how's it going? How is your whatever? Like, did you get your... Oh, he does a great thing. He, do, he, do, he does very personal things. He goes, yeah. hey, how's it going? Did you, did you get that thing checked? Did you... <laughs> Did you fix that thing around the house? That squeaky chair? Did you take care of that? Is you, is that family member doing all right? Have you checked up on them in a while? And he How's just keeps going? on going. Just keeps on going. <laughs> he, and I'm like, he just all is these he ideas. talking to me? Does he know yeah. me? <laughs> Unfortunately, all of the specific things he says never quite land on something specific enough for me. Oh. So wow. I think he and I just live very different lives in that sense. He that's just okay. hasn't spoken to you, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I still love him. Uh, but uh, let's check in. How's it going? How have you been doing the past... I was about to say six months. Yeah, about six months. Has it been that long? Yeah. I have been okay. I've been okay. Mm. We're doing things now, you know what I mean? Yeah. So London is technically out of lockdown uh we in a very ass backwards manner went out of lockdown as numbers were as case numbers were rising so that was a little bit scary Mm. a little bit scary but it sort of just put you in a weird position because now everyone's obviously like over it everyone wants to go out and do the things that they want to do with their lives yep and it puts you in this weird position where you're like well the rules now say i can go out and do the things but also, is it safe to do those things? And this is just going to... Are there going to be repercussions for this later? So that's been a little bit scary. Mm. But gigs are happening again. Festivals are kicking off again. I've done like a kind of gig for the first time in forever. It was like an online performance thing. Nice. A live show, which is really fun. Uh, in a very controlled environment. Mm. But yeah. And I'm also looking towards just doing few gigs around town now so so that's good nice so i think i'm fine how have you been yeah up and down as uh some people will say i'm covid good um <laughs> pandemic good um it's a good term i like that. yeah just take taking it slow taking care of myself um not doing as much as i want to but i think it is kind of I think we'll bring it up later on as well in our conversation, but it's good to kind of go, it's okay. Like, you don't have to be busy. You don't have to feel guilty for not doing anything. If anything, if you're not doing anything, that's a good thing. <laughs> like, um, mm. Not, like, nothing, nothing. But, yeah, so just kind of taking it slow, having gratitude with the small things, like, I have my health, I have a roof over my head, you know, it's like that. But uh, um, the Olympics have kicked off. (laughs) Oh, yeah, in your backyard. Uh, It's been, what, like maybe two weeks now Mm. since it kicked off. And it's been interesting. Like you were saying, 
people in Tokyo are fucking sick of being at home. We still continue to be told to stay at home. Um, we're in a state of emergency. We've been in a state of emergency since the Olympics have started. And so a lot of people are like, well, you're doing the fucking Olympics. Fuck you. I'm going to go out. And, you know, they've been going out and numbers are rising. There's been clusters in the, what is it? The Olympic village as well. So I think Mm, a lot of us, I mean, it's, you know what? Like I am not a fan of the Olympics and I do not give any fucks about it, but at the same time, you know, I'll turn the TV on and it is nice to see these athletes be in their, what is it? Habitat, I guess. And they just seem very grateful to be there and they're just doing what they do. Here we see the freestyle swimmer. Mm. In its natural habitat. <laughs> no, but like, it's, I, I mean, I don't really watch the Olympics anyway, but I, I don't know if it's a thing or it has been a thing, but it's so nice to see everyone just get along. Like once they do their routine, like the gymnastics, like everybody will be like, yeah, and rooting for each other. There's no like animosity between the athletes and it just seems like it's, just you know yeah i think that's kind of actually like a um a result of the circumstances right because if they were in a because there's nobody attending the olympics so there's nobody there watching Mm. so it's just them which it kind of like i wonder if uh, i mean i can't speak on their behalf but i wonder if it like reduces the enormity of the event Mm. and the intensity of it of the competition Mm. And especially when you're talking about, about like gymnasts and stuff, gymnastics, that kind of stuff, because, yeah, like there's nobody in the crowd to support you. So people kind of just like it feels good to support each other. I think that's it's weird because this is the first year that skateboarding has been introduced into the Olympics, which has been like a big deal for skateboarding. And I'm like a big skateboarding fan, have been for a long time. And when they first announced it, I was like, skateboarding is going to demonstrate that thing to the world that people are not familiar with in in the realm of competitive sports because if you watch any skateboarding has always been like this you go to any skateboarding competition international or national whatever it is everybody is friends so like your competition will get off his run and he'll immediately roll right up to you and you'll shake hands or you'll be like yo that was sick you know what i mean and give each other props and it's like people are hugging each other all the time but it looks like the world has kind of started to learn that on their own. Well, at least these, these competitors, yeah. by the nature of the circumstances. It's kind of, it's beautiful. Did you I mean. watch the men's this afternoon? Oh, uh, the park? No, I didn't. Yeah, so I watched it. And yeah, like you were just saying, they were very supportive. You know, every time they finished, um, they were just like hugging each other and rooting them on and each other mm. on. And the commentators were even saying, like, this is just normal. Like, it's, yeah. you know, they all know each other. Um, the top Some three. Some of them are teams together. I, actually, an Aussie guy won. Keegan, what's his face? Keegan Palmer. Oh, I've heard of the guy. I've never seen him. He's, like, 18, young. 19, something super young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a Brazilian guy and then a U.S. guy. Most of the skateboarding uh medalists have been like young <laughs> like really young. yeah so the the girls um the winner was a japanese girl 19 years uh-huh. old and silver was a 12 year old yeah <laughs> I was the brazilian like, i think dang yeah insane yeah insane. so cool yeah it's awesome but um yeah so as much as i've been very against the whole olympics being held in tokyo and Japan, um, it is nice to see people just do their thing and be kind of passionate um, and, yeah, just kind of happy just to be there and feeling like they're supporting each other. So hmm. I guess that's nice. I've I've been a little teary every now and then, probably because I don't have any drama in my life right now. It's like, oh, my gosh, you've been working so hard for the past four years. Oh! 
Um, Five even. My old lady has come out. But anyway, um, yeah. But otherwise, life is, yeah, life is going for sure. So that is definitely that. So I guess today we want to talk about what's next for creatives um, in terms of sort of coming I shouldn't say oh I want to flag firstly we're not scientists as scientists as you know um and we are not professionals in any way when we come to talk about COVID so um if you do have little moments of like uh mm, they're wrong yes we're probably wrong um uh and so just keep that in mind when you're listening to us talk about certain situations of being in a pandemic and covid and whatnot this is just our personal opinions and um that being said get vaccined um but anyway so just flagging that at the front uh of this podcast uh but i do want to kind of talk about how arts the arts industry will evolve as we're coming out of this, even though, I don't know, we're in a weird place, I think, because we're kind of coming out, but kind of not. Not a lot of people are being vaccined. Some places, everybody's vaccined, but then there's this whole scare about, you know, there's the Delta strain. I don't know. Um, does the vaccine work? Ah, is it okay for us to continue doing what we do, like play music or do theatre? Blah. Um, but I just want to discuss that with you today and hopefully it won't go too long, but yeah. So just to get started, do you think what we do is going to be safe in the next few months? Like what are your thoughts on music? Yeah, at the moment, I think the bigger discussion is like, what does every industry look like as a result of what we've been through? Because mm. things have changed. Right dramatically in in the span of two and a half years uh they you know things were moving in a certain direction already in, in some ways just because of the power of the internet mm. but so it's weird because i think th there was like a, a slow trajectory towards so, uh, you know like this new phase or at least speaking about music this new phase of like how music how people interact with music uh, and then the pandemic kind of came in and just sort of... Fucked I wouldn't it up say it spit it up. <laughs> no, no, like it sort of fumbled its way towards the thing faster, but it's still not there, which means that a lot of us are still trying to return back to what we know. Mm. But I also feel like that's sort of changed. So, I mean, your question was, is it going to be safe? The simple answer is probably not exactly. Mm-hmm as we've already seen with the results of uh, sporting events. Right. Like, people just tried to do... It happened in Australia in a big way, and people are very, very angry about it. Mm. I wouldn't even say in a big way, but just people were very upset about allowing thousands of people to go watch a sporting event and that event turning into a super spreader situation, and then the whole country went into lockdown immediately. Or well, not the whole country, cities, uh, and in into immediate lockdown. So we're talking about, like... They're not like, hey, next week we're going to have to do this. They literally went, oh, these are the numbers. Tomorrow, everyone stay at home. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty insane. And you obviously cannot maintain a system that does that. Right. So, yeah, it's weird because now festivals are going ahead. So you're getting a lot of people showing up to festivals. Some are still reluctant to go. Um, but ultimately... Because it's a familiar space, at some point what happens is you just kind of loosen up and then you act like normal, like there is no pandemic, even though it's in the back of your mind. Right. And then you're very likely to spread this thing. And so I think this whole next few months, uh, I think to the end of the year, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very telling time of the future of at least the music industry, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I don't think we can spend all this time still just like, well, let's try and go back to normal. Huh, didn't work again. Well, let's try and go back to... Nope, didn't work again. As that's happening, people are going to keep learning how to use the internet better, learning how to promote their music, perform their music to people online and what that looks like or whatever. Right. Um, it's freaky. Yeah, so, I mean, 
yeah, if we continue to do this, like, oh, we're going to do this, oh, it's like, we're not, it is not only for the artists, it can be emotionally draining, it can be disappointing, it is like a really bad cycle emotionally and mentally, but also financially, it is like, it fucks everybody up, like, for the companies and also for the audience members who are like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to get that ticket, and then... No, no. Am I going to get that money back? I don't want to go through that, so therefore I'm not going to even buy the ticket. And so, well, that's that's already happening now. Mm. So people are now, you know, announcing shows or events over here. Uh, I know of a couple personally where tickets are not selling as fast as predicted, mm. and they are drawing the conclusion that like a lot of people are just going, well, you know, the last four events I bought tickets for ended up not happening so I'll believe it when I see it I'm not gonna buy tickets right now all right I guess stability is not going to be there yet for anybody for the consumers and the producers Hmm. so then I guess like the question for us as producers is like how can we make it safe how can we adapt so a lot of words uh that I keep seeing are like hybridization digitization uh what's the new word that i learned recently uh fidget fit digital it's so physical and digital combined oh um and that was one of the things that i read <laughs> you know we'll keep hearing it and you know like you were saying imran like it is it was going in that direction anyway, but there is more demand right now. And so how do we do it? But then if if I look at it from like a theatre perspective, it's just not the same when... And I think it's the same with music as well, because I've been to gigs. It's just not the same when you're not physically there to like feel the energy not just like the product but then you know the performers and with the lights and you know just that whole energy is very difficult to reenact digitally so but i think this is the thing is we're talking about like trying to do what we already know in a new space Mm. and i think ultimately what is going to happen is an evolution of some sort where something completely new exists altogether. So once upon a time, once upon a time, people would listen to stories, fictional stories, on radio. Mm. They were acted out by, you know, radio announcers or whatever, and they would tell a story through the radio. And then television came, which was like a completely new concept altogether. There was no concept of, like, captured visual if you wanted to see something visual, you would go to the theater. Then they created this new thing, television, where it's like theater, but it's on your screen. And look at what that's turned into now. That's turned into not theater on, on a screen. It's turned into television and film. And then theater is like separate. It's like its own thing. Mm. So it's kind of like, it feels like maybe we could be, I think we're a long way from it, but the next evolution of entertainment altogether i don't know what that looks like right so i think we talked about this a few weeks ago maybe or maybe it's a few days time you know what it's fucking irrelevant these days but i think we talk a little bit actually a lot about it um in the previous podcast but tiktok for example that is like a new hybrid that has created a new way of creating um and it is like a hybrid of film and tv and music and everything and it's like a new form of entertainment for a lot of people it's like what how many seconds like 15 to 30 seconds it's like its own thing right but but there's an interesting thing going on now where the platform was built around that 15 to 30 seconds and then they went well, now we're going to give you a minute. And mm. now that people are more engaged, they've given people three minutes again, which oh. is the length of a song. Oh. Which is interesting. Do you think our attention spans are getting a little more better because of the pandemic, because everything is more still now? No, 
I don't think so. Oh. I think people's attention spans are still horrible, but... <laughs> but Speak for yourself. <laughs> but it's really interesting. It's like TikTok is so fascinating in that way, especially because it's like, at the moment, social media platforms, it's the trendsetter, right? Mm. So they were like, okay, we're going to give you a minute. And then, well, first TikTok becomes big. And then Instagram goes, oh, they're doing that thing and people seem to love it. We need to make one too. So they make reels. Mm. And so TikTok's like, okay, we're going to give you up to a minute. And Instagram Reels is still kind of behind them and going, oh, we'll give you 30 seconds. And then just recently, Reels have gone, okay, we're going to give you a whole minute now. Mm. But they've only done that after TikTok's gone, hey, we're going to give you three minutes now. Mm. Because people are making very involved videos now, very engaging, interesting content. But they've learned how to be engaging and interesting first because we forced them to do it within 30 seconds. Right. And now that they know how to do that, they've built a fan base. So now, oh, you know who you like? You like that guy that makes goofy songs about uh, about anxiety. And you relate so with relevant. that. So relevant. <laughs> guess what? He's written a three-minute song about anxiety, and you can sit and watch it now. Mm. And so now it's weird. Like, they've capitalized on your short attention span, and now that you're, like, captured, you're probably going to give that guy that extra couple minutes i don't know it's weird it's weird but it's been interesting to see how they're very slowly adding more time Mm. and i think they're doing it methodically and watching the numbers and and watching the engagement time Mm. very closely and then how many times you rewatch it as well i'm sure yeah it is interesting though because people are now without knowing are trained to do these elevator pitches right like Okay, Mm. you have to grasp their attention within this amount of minutes. Because was it you that told me? Well, maybe I I think I also uh, read it somewhere. But the first four seconds or something of a song is really critical. Because now you can just, like, keep on going with Spotify. Like, if you don't like a song, boop, like, next song. So you really need to capture their attention in the first few seconds ambient intros are not a good idea (laughs) (laughs) right i mean we're getting trained well i'm not doing tiktok but people are getting trained to do that which i think is really good in terms of creativity but Mm. on the flip side it's like well yeah it's not really helping for attention span and the next few generations are going to be crazy (laughs) And I don't know what it means for the art, especially for music. Mm. If the art's main job is to try and capture you immediately, that's kind of tough. It used to be that the uh, the promo for the art was the thing that captures you, I guess. Mm. So you just had to like promote it the right way to get people to buy the CD. Right. And then once they have the CD, it's almost it's almost a captive audience, you know, like. They'll sit and listen to the whole thing. They might not even like the CD, but they'll... They might decide halfway through that they don't like it, but they might still sit through the whole thing. Right, because then... I I mean, I was listening to Maroon 5 recently, the older albums, and I remember certain songs that I really like, but then you have to sit through a few <laughs> to get to that song. I mean, that yeah. was what it was before, right? Now you can just keep on skipping and then the new songs keep coming on and it's all fine. Especially when you just bought an album. You don't want to just be, oh, actually, I did just repeat one song over and over when I was a kid. But yeah, yeah. you do do that. But I mean, OK, so let's talk about albums for a second real quick, just because you've reminded me. <laughs> so when we're, when we're talking about like this whole concept of like, the pandemic changing things and the internet changing things. Albums have been this thing that have slowly been dying. Yeah. Like the more the internet grew, the more the album's life has, or rather the album's death has become inevitable. Yeah. But, but people keep making them. People keep making them. Well, well, here's an interesting thing. I read it a little while ago in Rolling Stone. I'm not going to have the data exactly right off the top of my head, but I think there was like, end of last year this thing was reported and they were talking about Lil Uzi Vert's new album and he had released this album that was over an hour long it was a concept album a lot of I think it was two years in the making as well like they really worked on this thing and they found that the streaming numbers 
were consistent across all songs fairly Mm. the singles obviously had few more million plays but on the whole people were listening to this entire album all the way through Hmm. and then especially while living through the pandemic what they found is for older albums people were tending to not be listening to full albums for old albums they would just be returning to the songs that they liked the most in the albums so the idea being that during the pandemic people are feeling a little uncomfortable when you go back to listen to old music or go back and watch an old movie you watch it because it gives you a certain level of comfort it takes you back to a place where you know you were more comfortable there's security you know what's going to happen like you can control that yeah exactly right so when you go back to the music you like the most you're going to go back to the songs you like the most i guess is the whole idea uh so i mean that's um i know if you're listening to this you, you might be going well, no, like my favorite albums, I listen to them in their entirety, which I do that too. But we're talking about in, in, in the general public. We're talking about general <laughs> public and and the entire, just what the numbers say, basically. Yeah. So if if you're a true fan, then you will listen through the whole album of that artist. But yeah, there are people who are you know, like most people ah. are going back and being like, oh, I just want to, I want to listen to that one song from Thriller. I'm not going to sit and listen to it. Listening to the whole album Thriller is like long. Mm. It's long. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot in there. I, like, oh, I just want to listen to this song. You know. So I thought that was really interesting. So I was like, what does that mean for an individual? Does that mean that these people are like, oh, Lil Uzi Vert, I love him and he's got a new album. I'm going to listen to the whole thing and then I will then pick my favorite songs. Because this article was written around the time of the release of the album. Mm. So, I mean, maybe you go back now and look at the stream numbers or look back five years later and be like, oh, like these songs, they got way more plays now than the rest of the album. Because people have gone cold in the album. But the point is, the initial release of the album, like pretty positive, a lot of people listen to the whole thing. So what do you think it is? Like, so you said concept album. Can you kind of tell us what exactly a concept album means? concept album is basically just an album that has an overarching story Mm. and that concept can be very overt it can be more it could be looser it could be some people like okay in the hip-hop world like people do concept albums and they usually have like a literal story Mm. you know so i think the roots undone that album was about the this it was the story of this kid's life uh, a young african-american but it was his life in reverse so they told his whole life story mm. but from the end to the beginning which is a really cool concept uh, so every song is about that right but then you could have something more loose where you're like oh the whole concept of this album is um computers i'm really interested by computers so i'm just gonna write about computers mm. but like every facet of it what if computers could love or just like what makes a computer work and you write a song about that oh what does a computer sound like i'm just going to use computer sounds for the song so that's a looser kind of concept right it has been a thing and i i think with storytelling it is really important to know the beginning middle and end so i think it's really cool that albums have been doing that i mean childish gambino has done it uh with what's that one with red bone in it yeah i always forget the name of the album you know the one. It's the cool looking one. <laughs> They're all cool. But mm. it, um, oh, and uh, uh, Daniel Caesar with Freudian. It's much nicer from someone that doesn't understand a lot of music. It's you listen to like a album that has this concept going on. It's all connected, right? The sounds are just like fluid, and mm. it's better to listen to it from start to end because it just makes more sense with the sound yeah. as well rather than like listening to snippets so i do understand how it just feels right to listen from start to end even if you don't understand yeah. the whole concept of it or you're just listening for just for the sound and the melodies mm. i know not all concept albums do that but the ones that i've personally liked anyway it's like oh, okay like it tells a whole story it sounds like it's all connected but like thinking of the general public, and that's why I think the little Uzi Vert thing is interesting. It means that the general public were like interested enough by the story that they wanted to hear it all the way through. Yeah. Which I think is great. Storytelling is really important. 
Yeah. Mm. People still want to hear stories. Yeah. It's how people have shared history and life for the longest time. So it is good to know that. Um, I just want to kind of go a little bit back to what we were talking about in terms of how do we go forward from now as artists and as people producing things and trying to engage with more audience members. Now, you said before, you know, you feel a little mm, about playing music out in the open or going to gigs and, you know, as an artist yourself, do you want to make music live now? Do you want to do it solely from a selfish point? Yes, absolutely. If I could just, like, do it for myself. The only reason I'm scared of the virus is for other people's sake. Yeah. I don't want to be the person that spreads the thing. Right. A hundred percent. I'm fairly confident, and the science suggests that I'm going to be fine, but I think we all have, like, some level of responsibility when this thing can spread that easily. Mm. So if it was completely selfish, then yes, like... I want to play. It's very important to me. Mm. It feels good to do it. It's how I make money. It's how I connect with the world, largely, I think. Mm. So It's interesting because this herd mentality that we have is like, stay home. No, don't, don't do this thing where you're going to bring a crowd in one place and... Well, so you're saying, you're saying herd as in like this overall mentality. Yeah, yeah. I'm just making that clear because people have the, you know, the herd immunity thing. You're not talking about that. No, 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 no. Just just the mental bit. Because I'm constantly within two worlds where it's like, oh, shit, I'm not going to do any theatre. It's, you know, not safe. We don't need it. It's, It's fine. You know, health comes first. But then there's also another part of me, selfish artist me where it's like i want to make theater right now like fuck it we need to continue making it or else it's gonna die i mean theater was quote unquote dead for a while now you know people have been watching tv and movies and now we've got netflix and all these different avenues to import export whatever art but you know i want to make theater right now and we need to do it we should do I mean, it. I wouldn't say that theatre's necessarily been all that dead. Perhaps like the the certain types of theatre. If we if we class musicals as theatre, then theatre's very much been alive. Right, but yeah, this was like a huge <laughs> debate that I had when I was in uni. Um, in terms of like straight plays or getting bums in seats it's been super difficult for a very long time now because it's expensive to go you always need to keep your night open people much rather go just grab drinks and have a good time with friends and then go home Um, it's been really really hard for theater now recently I think musicals are more in and I don't know. It's more accessible now, especially with Lynn Miranda Manuel. Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> I can never Manuel. say it. You say you're a fan. <laughs> you say you're a fan. I like Lin him. Lynn Manuel cool. Miranda. I like him. I don't like his name because it always fucks up when I'm saying it. But I mean, he he just got his uh, new movie out in the Heights. Um, which was a musical that he did very, very well a few years back, and they just made it into a movie, live-action movie. Um, So it's in, it's, like, popular, uh, all these... Well, musicals have that crossover too, though, don't they? Because it's like, you write a musical, then you can turn it into a movie, then you can also release an album. Yes, yes. So Hamilton did really well, even if you weren't able to see it, the albums also did very well because they were uh, accessible. They're not just like, I am singing a song on stage and I'm going to get a cup of tea. It was like, mm. I'm doing hip hop and this is really cool and these are really fast rhymes and if you can sing it or rap it, then you're cool. Um, I know a lot of hip hop fans that 
hate that music. I know. Anyway. I want to talk to these hip hop people so bad. <laughs> I get. I, just, I mean, I just want to say, like, I get it. I totally get it. I get it but too. I, but I think it's. I think they did very well. Let's actually, you know what? Let's keep this for another episode because we can go on and on about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, let's go. But theater is dead. Mm, it is difficult it is so difficult to put a show up but at the same time you can't reproduce theater on screen and so although it's not as popular we don't get any funding well some funding but all these arts funds keep getting cut wherever you go because yeah it's not it doesn't make a lot of money and it's hard but that's the only way to make theatre, if that makes sense. Well, the question now for you then is that what does theatre look like over the next year and a half or two? Hmm. See, I think it'll be cool if there would be more outdoor theatre spaces. Hmm. I think that would help people feel more safe. I mean, we do have these beautiful theatres around the world, but there's just not enough. And I hope more indie theatre or just cities in general will create more outdoor spaces for theatre. And, you know, we've been making performances in non-theatrical spaces and there's the style of promenade theatre where you have to walk around the space and, you know, Mm. you'll be given... Like in Brisbane, we've seen a show where you literally have to go around... Oh, no, no, it wasn't with you. It was another friend. You had to walk around the city of Brisbane with your headphones in and actors will come out and lead you and guide you and tell the story. And Mm. you're outdoor throughout the whole time. You get to experience the city and also immerse yourself in the story. And it is really cool uh, if you get it done right. And luckily I did go to a one, which they did fucking fabulously. Uh, But again, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. Uh, It's so difficult. Yeah, it's so difficult to get uh, the permits to perform in these outdoor spaces um, and non-theatrical spaces. So if that can ease off a little bit more and be more accommodating to independent artists, I think that would be really cool and give more opportunities for theatre to kind of do its thing. But then again, just just like music, there are people who believe theatre should just only be on stage and you need the lights, and you need to be in a theatre space, and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah. Yeah, but good luck. Yeah. No. No. I mean, this has been a fucking, what is it, fight for many, many years, and the pandemic has just made it worse. Yeah. But that being said, you know, I read it recently, I think a few hours ago, artists are good at adapting to their new world and if they don't then they just kind of get died off but if you're strong enough to keep on creating then you can and you just got to keep adapting and just kind of go with the flow and I think that's the key for theatre to keep on going and that might mean we might not be able to perform on stage for the next two years but I think where there's will you can keep on going, you know. That's a scary thought that for the next two years you won't be able to perform on stage. I mean, me personally. I mm. am not a renowned theatre person. Um, I mean, West End opened up since uh, Boris was like, yep, yeah, it's all cool. And so I've seen uh on social media that these theaters are open and doing shows and going forward there's the yeah there's been some uh hostility still there oh yeah of Uh, course you're not going to be able to please everybody that's the other thing that we need to understand um no 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 what i'm speaking about is like the double standard of they allowed certain theaters to open but they had to operate at like 50 percent capacity yeah 70 percent capacity not full capacity right and they were like 
oh, by the way, we're going to have the football on and that's going to be full capacity, 60,000 people. Yeah, it fucking sucks. And, and you're like, I went and saw a few theatre uh, spaces recently and, yeah, same thing, like 50% capacity. But for yeah. independent artists to do a show and put in all the money and only have 50% capacity, we can't make any money. We're losing so much money. And yeah. as it is, we don't have money. So it's just smarter for, well, for those who can get the funds, like that's fucking amazing. But for those who don't, it's, it, we just can't. It just doesn't make any sense. We don't, we don't get any profit. And I'm not saying profit is the only thing that we should be thinking about, but at the same time, you need something in order to keep on going. Like, you need Absolutely. some money. So, it's And there's a lot difficult. of people involved. The, the, the space that you're using also needs to make money off the ticket sales. And if you can only sell half the tickets you usually would, it's just a lot harder. Right. Or if you're like, oh, we can sell as many tickets as... Because let's say you have a capacity of 200, but you can only operate at 50%. Then you're like, okay, well, we have to do... We still have 200 people that want to attend, so we'll do two nights. That's two nights of work. That's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, two days worth of using the space and yep. whatever runs that space, employees and paying people for working that night and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I'm thinking more music venues as well, but, you know, it's, it's the same thing. So it's like, it's hard for everyone, man. Like, the money's just not there. <laughs> Yeah, really and, tough. you know, a lot of artists need to choose from their day job as well. If you can go without the day job, then that's great. But I think a lot of independent artists have, like, a day job. So to do a show, a lot of, um, especially over here, um, a lot of people need to take time off from work to perform. And a lot of people have been doing that because it's their passion. But mm. being in the pandemic money is scarce you know you don't know when you can work and well I guess it depends on what industry your day job is but yeah it's hard and then to have to choose your day job over the art it's heartbreaking and I don't want to end on a very negative note so let's try and lift this conversation up a little bit <laughs> theater is not a mainstream thing is the weird thing it's not no it's niche. I mean, I'm surrounded by theatre people, so it's not niche, and I'm in the industry, so I feel like it's very in. But back in the days when I would go out for a drink, <laughs> like you talk to random people and they're like, oh, you do theatre? Oh, wow. Like, I've never met someone who's doing theatre. That's really cool. So what do you do? Shakespeare? Like, that sort of yeah, conversation. Yeah, that's what I mean. The average person does, doesn't really interact with theatre or know about theatre. On the other hand, if you're like, oh, I play music and I'm in a band, people are like, ugh, another another musician in a band. Everybody's in a band. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like it means that the people that want theatre in their lives need to go out and seek theatre in their lives mm. as opposed to music everybody consumes music absolutely everybody consumes music and so the impact of like the pandemic in terms of changing the musical landscape is huge mm. because the average person matters to the average musician i would say uh just your average everyday person and their listening habits that means something to you as a musician mm. and that's been changed by the pandemic which i think it means that music is morphing into something new mm. well music is morphing into a new system i should say i think that's what's happening whereas theater is gonna maybe not necessarily be morphing into something new completely because the people that know what it is want it to be what it is mm. well i think the question for theater is more so how do we get out of this thing and continue to do what we do whereas music is more like well, we could try and do what we used to do, but I think it's all changed completely. And we have to come to terms with that. It's interesting to see that the impact that the pandemic has had on these two industries is kind of different in that sense. Yeah. You know what will keep us going, everybody? Money. <laughs> yeah. Money really will help the arts. Um, 
for venues so we can make these outdoor venues so we can support artists even in these dreary times and I think we were already evolving and we're constantly evolving but I think that we're forced to do it more quickly now and so yeah I think this whole physical platform physical digital platform is growing however that shouldn't force us to completely compromise what we're doing Mm. like yes we need to evolve yes we need to keep on going into this new direction but at the same time we need to be able to balance what we want to make because otherwise it's like oh well we can't do theater for a while so i guess we'll just stick to doing zoom performances and it sucks i mean yeah we're still creating but it it isn't the same and so yeah then make something hybrid well then that's not theater we need to make new things like that's a new hybrid performance which is which has also been happening before the pandemic as well but it wasn't as popular because people like "Mm, theater should be live meh so yeah dude i don't know where i'm going with this so just help me out (laughs) kill me already yeah i don't know um the digital world is inevitable it's happening Mm. and the pandemic has just made it very very evident that that is the direction we are eventually moving to so yeah i don't know it's just i've kind of come to terms with the fact that like i know what i do and in my lifespan it's going to be i hope for it to look this certain way and things are going to change later on Mm. well they're starting to already but at some point a new thing is going to be birthed altogether Mm. and it's just going to be it's it's evolution baby (laughs) as eddie vetter once sang yeah as far as the immediate future is concerned it's just it's interesting uh seeing all the massive changes that have taken place over the last couple years uh for many forms of entertainment movies Movies is really really interesting (laughs) to me that's really interesting to me we won't get into it right now but it's just right it's weird to think now that the cinema doesn't matter that much Mm. anymore tarantino said so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it it used to be the way you experienced the movie for the first time and like there's like a sort like kind of a romance for me in terms of going to the cinema and seeing a thing at the cinema and Mm. movies being made with the cinema experience in mind but i don't think they're being made that in that way anymore because people are very aware of the fact that a movie is going to premiere on Disney Plus as well as at the cinemas. Right. On the same day. So most people are going to go, well, there's a deadly virus floating out there at the moment. I think I'm going to stay in the comfort of my home mm. in my jammies and watch the new Scarlett Johansson movie. Yeah. So we don't know what it's going to look like, but we have these predictions and, you know, these ideas. But as individual artists, what do you think is important for us to keep on going? Like, what's the mindset that we should have, do you think? And s- mm. speaking for, for yourself. Speaking for myself? Um, well, I think the only thing I could really say is, like, there's something inside you that feels right, and you need to allow that thing to be. Mm. So even if the rest of the world is, like, on this other thing, feel like you're not keeping up, you need to first stick with whatever feels right in you and allow it to be and then deal with the rest of the world later because we're talking about creating and you want these things to be created from you know a a, a pure and good place Mm. and i mean that depends on the individual if you're out here trying to make money out of music solely like you just want to make good money and be comfortable in your life financially then yeah you you shouldn't have any problems with being honest with yourself and saying that and going okay that's what i want to do and so i just have to pay attention to what's going on right now and follow it and i hopefully can make that work that's fine Mm. but i yeah obviously personally i just want to make things that i'm very proud of yeah and that are me so i stick with what feels right allow it to be you know, in the face of whatever's going on around you. Yeah. 
I agree. I think there's been a lot of thinking and reflecting and I think the most important thing is to be really just take care of yourself and your creativity and your mind and just let it just be right there's so many limitations there's so much change happening but at the end of the day you're the one creating so I think yeah what you said is pretty important and I mean all the health and safety pre-measures precautions ah (laughs) precautions precautions can I mean are very important as well but I think we shouldn't create uh speaking for myself I shouldn't be creating solely thinking about the precautions and the health and safety first because I think that limits a lot of our creativity and what we want to create if the the logistics should come later and that's with or without COVID I think what you want to create should come first and then if it's that important then you should be able to do it with the precautions and whatnot but I think yeah when you're first creating or thinking about a story or music yes where we're at now will affect our thoughts but yeah we just need to just be true to ourselves and our minds and our bodies the end agreed Yay. <laughs> cool. Yes, that was kind of heavy. Um, I mean, we knew that was going to happen. And no matter what is going to come, I'm excited for everybody to be able to just create. And I'm excited for myself. And I think optimism is key. So, yeah, stay positive, everybody. We got this. Keep on creating. And, uh, keep making stuff, people. Yeah, keep making. And if it feels good. Keep if you're doing not creating, it. it's fine. Don't feel guilty. That's another thing. Um, it's okay. Uh, just, just take care of yourself and your brain, because that's what we need when we create. Nah. Absolutely. Alrighty. Cool. Good chat. I love talking about this stuff too. It's good to keep. You know. It's just, it feels good to talk about these things because I think it's on everyone's mind, so it's nice. Mm, for so sure. We hope you enjoyed the chat. Yes. Thank you, Imran. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>